0: Just a nobody from a nowhere place in a nowhere state, somewhere in the middle of the country. I'm not an expert, nor do I claim to be. But just maybe, I may say something might make a little sense to you. May open your eyes to maybe a different reality than the one that you live in. So I'm going to try to maybe change some minds, maybe change the world. And hello. This is Eric Gerritsen, and this is the podcast that I always said I was going to do, but never did, and now I'm doing it. Uh, Last time I talked, I didn't have a a, a title for the thing, and I'm still not sold on a title, but I had to come up with something for when I posted it to Spotify, so that way they had something to search or something to call it, and uh, well, we'll... What i decided um basically was common sense solutions to today's problems um i'm not 100 percent sold on it but for now it's good enough and um, obviously i would welcome any suggestions if you have any um i'm gonna have kind of a dual issue uh today because um, I was just going to talk about a uh, mass incarceration because I do believe that's a problem and we are still going to talk about that um, but there's another thing that I want to address first it's not necessarily well it is a problem but I think it I think it's um, more something that I think just needs said and I think that it would it'll cease to be such a problem or even one at all Um Scrolling through uh, Facebook and Twitter, I noticed a lot of African Americans saying, you know, we're not going to celebrate the 4th of July or, you know, whatever. And that's fine to eat your own. But this holiday, I think we're missing a golden opportunity to build uni- unity. Because, if you think about it, um, the 4th of July is to celebrate this nation's independence from Great Britain. That's a foreign power. So, that's a common enemy we can bond over. Now, granted that this nation has not been good to the African Americans, uh, especially their ancestors, but even today they're not. Um, But we've got to find a common ground. We've got to find something that we can unite over and I think this is a perfect example of something that we could, we could unite over and uh, you know it could be it could be a great foundation to build on you know build and put up a united front because when you think about it we are the only country in the world that has so many different ethnicities we have so many different and and all these different cultures all bring something different to the table so if you could if you could just sit back and really think let go of the hate let go of all of that and really think what that really means that means that you have all these different cultures that all have something have something different something unique to their culture. They're, they've all got that, that they can bring to the table. With that, you could have like the coolest place in the world. In the world. You would never be bored. Because you could every night try something new and exciting. And, and if you do that with an open mind and an open heart, and not with you with like these hatreds in your mind and just embrace these other cultures. I mean, I, I look at my life and and look at all the things that I um that I take for granted that that have come from other cultures. I mean, I am a guitarist in a blues band without the African Americans, what would I be doing? I mean, I obviously wouldn't be playing blues music because it would never have been here. And and um I mean that's just one example of many, many examples. I mean my favorite food is Mexican. I mean my favorite style of food is pretty much any kind of authentic Mexican food. I uh, I love it, and I couldn't imagine my life without it. It it just, and I know these are small things that that some people may say that uh you know well you could live without those. Sure I could sure i could live without blues music and i could live without mexican food but i don't want i mean why would i want to if i if i have the choice i i mean i'm embracing both of those two things both from different cultures other than mine and 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 those are just two two very very obvious things like think of all of the other things that that maybe we haven't even uh, you know, discovered about these other cultures because we haven't kept an open enough mind, and um, and we haven't been welcoming enough to these other cultures to where they want to share them, share these things with us. Um, so, we have a unique opportunity in this country, and this country alone has this unique opportunity to. Um, to embrace all of these different All of these different cultures And 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 create something really great You know um, Our horrible president uh, Wanted to Said that he was going to make America great again But he didn't But What he has done Is he has lit a fire Under a lot of people's butts And And uh, you know, in resistance to him. I mean, I'm not giving him any of the credit because he is ridiculous. But what he's been is he's been so bad that it has created a, a, an understanding, and it's in its um, it's kind of opened the door and shown white people like myself the true underlying issues that still exist in this country. And um, so that's one thing he unintentionally did positive i guess i mean if you had to find a positive of something that he's done it's he's been horrible enough of a person and leader that it's opened the eyes to the people that otherwise wouldn't have seen maybe how bad things really were i just hope that um i hope in my lifetime i see it and i and i think I think it is not out of the realm of possibility that in my lifetime we see um, a United States that is, that is truly embracing other cultures and welcoming other people from different, from different parts of the world. And uh, instead of rejecting them at our borders, let's welcome them in and let's see what they have to bring to the table. Because if I know if it's one thing that I know about, you know, other cultures, and and even at us when we're in a different place, is we we're excited to show them like what we do, and they're excited to show us how they do it, and then the things that they do for fun, and the thing, and here's the kind of food that we eat, isn't this cool? And then we you, you know you do the same thing, and we do these things in small social gatherings. But we don't do it as a nation, and we don't do it consistently across the board. And I think if we if we really embraced that, we would really end up with some sort of I don't know. It would it, it's crazy to even think about it. But I mean, if you really do think about it, how cool would that be? To have, you know, you know to to be sitting at home. I mean, how many times have you sat at home and like, damn, I wish I had something to do tonight? Well, think about think about this if you have all these cultures and all these different, you know, all these different things that all these different people do, you would never have a night like that. You would never be like, oh, I'm just going to sit at home, I guess, and not do anything and not socialize with anybody and, you know, be a hermit and I'll probably troll some, some things on Facebook or Twitter and, or, but you wouldn't have that because then if we did this, we would have let's see what am i going to do tonight am i going to you know go to a rap battle or am i going to go to a battle of the bands or am i going to go to a mexican fiesta or am i going to go go to a you know a parade and you know an oriental parade where they're shooting off fireworks or or you know or or whatever else or like a you know I, I don't even know like what all what all these different cultures do because we haven't allowed them to really to really uh you know flourish and show us all of these things that they do have to offer so i mean i named some cliche things but um but just think of all the cool things that you could do and wouldn't it be cool to be at a uh, at a mexican fiesta and see White people, black people, Asian people, and Mexican people all together. And then you go to a rodeo and you see white people, you see black people, you see Mexican people, you see Asian people, you see Indian people, you see people from the Middle East, all together and all having fun. Or you go to a battle of bands and the same thing. Or you have bands playing, playing music that you've never heard before because you, because I mean there are so many different things that we could do that is it's really exciting if, if we would just do it but we don't and i don't know why well i do know why but i don't know why we hold on to that because we shouldn't and and it's really what's holding us back as a nation i mean more than anything just if we would just if we would just welcome this diversity that we already have and just open it up and and really show you know give every every culture their own platform and let them Let them bring to the table what they have. And then we can all just enjoy it together. Then, and only then, will this nation be as great as it can be. Not before that. It has to be, that has to exist in order for this to be the best it can be. I truly believe that. Alright. That is my thoughts on that. Now, I'd like to get to this topic will be a little more uh <clears throat> excuse me it would be a little more uh I don't know how to say it I guess more of a hot topic it'd be more of a uh, there may be more arguments with this one and i I'm gonna start it off by saying that I have no problem with police that do the right thing I don't That being said, I do have a problem with the police that don't do the right thing. They should be held to at least the same standard as us. Murder is murder. If you kill somebody, you go to prison. If they kill somebody, they get put on administrative leave and a lot of the times get their fucking job back. That's absurd. A paid administrative leave being the worst case scenario for most of these people that murder another human being is completely ridiculous. I mean, a lot of people are like, "Well, if they weren't breaking the law, well, that's bullshit." Because that poor kid in Colorado was not breaking any laws. He wasn't resisting. He was walking home. He was. The cops said, "Well, he was wearing a mask." Well, he had an iron deficiency. Ugh, excuse me, iron deficiency. He was anemic. You get cold easy when you're anemic. He wore a face mask. It was Colorado. And he was anemic. And he was walking home. He wasn't robbing somebody. Like, it's not illegal to wear a face mask. It's, I don't know. And then that other poor woman that got shot in her sleep when the police were executing a warrant on somebody they already had in custody that never lived there. It was a mistake. But if you go... go in guns blazing you better be damn sure that the person in there is who you're looking for and they better be fucking dangerous and they better be shooting at you before you do something that fucking stupid so my other thing with the police okay we okay we're all, the, you know the common the new common thing now is well there's some bad apples but not all cops are bad okay well here's my thoughts on that I think most cops are bad and I'm gonna tell you why I don't think most cops do bad things. Like, I don't think that most of them, you know, have that mentality to do horrible things, like, you know, kill somebody or whatever, but they hide and protect their own. Their job is to protect, to protect me, to protect you, to protect everybody. That's their job. Now, if they know that their colleague over there is, you know, Trampling on civil liberties and using unnecessary force and they say nothing, they they then they're failing to protect me from that person. So they're not doing their job. That's not a good cop. That's a bad cop. It's not bad like the one that's doing the excessive force, but it's still somebody that's bad at their job. The ones that cover it up are the ones that support these people that have committed these heinous acts. Those are bad cops too. Any, I have very rarely had an experience with an officer where they didn't at least try to trample on my civil liberties. If I'm a passenger in a car and they pull the car over for a traffic stop, for equipment failure, or for anything like that, and they ask me for my ID and I say, no, I don't want to give you my ID. It should stop there i really don't think they should even ask for it because it's none of their business who i am i'm not the one driving i'm in a passenger seat and it's it's for your the pullover is for as traffic violation that the driver committed not me or equipment failure for that person's vehicle not mine it's illegal search and seizure now what they usually do is if you say um you know i don't want to i don't want want to provide that or and then they then they try they keep trying they keep well why don't you want to give it to me is it because you're doing something illegal or i just want to see if you're not a felon or blah 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 trying to trick you into doing it or trying to persuade you into doing it when you don't have to it is a common practice in policing and it is bullshit. it is <laughs> they should not you know actively like and, and i believe they're taught this and, and which is why they need to do a systemic overhaul of our justice system. And it starts with the cops. And everybody's like, well, it's not just the cops, it's everybody. I was like, yeah, I know. But you're entering the phase of the justice system starts with the police. It starts with an arrest. So it's got to start there. Reform has to start there. So that, that, and that's just an example. I mean, it's not the only civil liberty they try to bust, but every single encounter I've had with the police, with the exception of maybe a few, has has uh, resulted in them trying to do that trying to you know whether it's to me or to somebody i 'm with or or whatever but i've witnessed them try to do this every single time that is not good cops now I get it if they're trained that way, then I suppose I would give them a pass, but if they do it again they need to be they need to be let go it's as simple as that and um and not and the you know and then having these uh, you know these excessive force complaints in their file there should not be a file for excessive force complaints that should be a zero tolerance policy it should absolutely be zero tolerance everywhere I've ever worked has had a zero tolerance policy for safety you know if you if you jeopardize your own safety or the safety of others you are fired on the spot and you don't get your job back. If you don't lock out a piece of equipment before you go sticking your hands in it, you get fired. It's zero tolerance. And there's no everybody makes mistakes. Nobody else gets that luxury. Why on earth should the cops? Especially when other people's lives are in their hands daily. They should never be able to make that mistake and still have their job. So there shouldn't be a file if they if they do one of the things that that is deemed unsafe then they should be let go that day that second and if they have a partner with them and the partner sees it that partner needs to report it that second or he is a bad cop and he should lose his job too and that needs to be the standard that needs to be the culture and that's how we change this but until we do that we're not go- it's not going to change. And that's what sucks. And there's too many people that are defending the police. And you know what? I get it. You know, we, we've, we've been taught growing up to respect the police. We've been taught growing up that we, we have the police's back. But you know what? Until they start respecting us, I'm not giving them an ounce of my respect. And I know they don't care about that. They don't need my respect. They've got the respect of the masses. But... They don't, have, they don't have mine, and, and, um, and I'm not afraid to tell them that. And until they make sweeping changes to their policies and retrain the police officers, I think every cop that's a cop right now needs to be fired. They need to be fired, and they need to come up with the guidelines as to uh, what we expect out of the police in this new system that we are creating. Now... Once we have those expectations and we have these set of guidelines and these set of, um, you know, this form of vetting, then we go through all of the people that were cops first and we vet those, vet those applications and basically they're applying for their job back. Now, if we deem them, you know, a good fit for our new system, then give them their job back, give them their seniority back, give them their pension back, and it's like it's like nothing ever happened. I mean, I don't think we should take that away from good cops. And if they pass all of these, you know, all of these new guidelines, then they obviously were a good cop, and I and I don't think we should punish them. So give them back everything that they had, and give them a damn raise. So they make, you know, a livable wage for risking their lives, because I do believe that they are underpaid teachers are way more underpaid, but um, that's a whole another episode. Um, so, there you have it. So now, you, you've weeded out all of the bad cops. All the good ones have their jobs, their pensions, and their seniority back, and now are the veterans, and now now those good cops are now all of a sudden the sergeants and the chiefs. So now, you've got all of these cops that were good when they didn't have to be running the show the people that are inherently good people and good cops are now your sergeants, your lieutenants, and your, you know, your police chiefs, you know, because we weeded out all of those bad ones. So now, so now we can, we can create that new culture. We can create, and we, and we've got our new form of, of, you know, our new form of our system that we have for training and, uh, and, you know, that we, and our new guidelines that we're going to follow. And, um, you know, and then we re, the culture is recreated. And, and I know it's, it's a lot easier to say all of this than to do all of this. And it's not going to happen overnight. And I'm not unrealistic in thinking that. But we've got to at least start it. We can't just keep saying, oh, it's going to be difficult and hard. It's like, yeah, it's always going to be difficult and hard. But we have to at least start It's going to take a long time, but the longer we wait to start it, the longer it's going to be until we see fundamental change. Problems in our justice system definitely do not stop at the police. And that's what the second part of this is about, which is what that was all to set set up. We have a serious problem with mass incarceration in this country. Um, It is out of control. Um, i will tell you exactly how out of control it is with some numbers that i looked up and i couldn't believe (laughs) when i read these numbers Um, first of all incarceration rates in the u.s lead the entire globe everybody every other country in the world has less people incarcerated per capita than the united states we are the number one country for this that's not a good statistic to be number one in That'd be, that'd be a better one to be towards the bottom of the pack um, And how they measure it Is the amount of incarcerated citizens Per 100,000 people We have 655 um, People incarcerated Per 100,000 people of population China, communist China That arrests people for crazy bitly crap all the time uh, Has 118 Per 100,000 Canada has 114 per 100,000. Denmark, 63. Sweden, 59. Australia, 74. Germany, 100. France, 104. United States, I'll say it again, 655. We've had a 500% increase over the last 40 years in um, prison population. 500% 500 increase. Wish my stocks increased that well. Um, 2.2 million people right now in prison or jails right now. 2.2 million. Another 3.8 million are on parole or probation, so they're supervised by the court. Meaning if they fuck up once, they got to go back to prison which they set they set set them up to fail and um, they usually end up back there, which is why these numbers never go down, they always go up hence the 500% increase Um, this is due to several things Um, most notably the war on drugs which uh, has been a complete and utter failure um what we've done is we've uh you know we've 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 uh set these mandatory minimum sentences and we and we punish and shame these these addicts on these you know minor drug charges we made them felons and then when and we put them in prison and then when they get out of prison they have a felony and it's hard for them to get a job but yet we require them as conditions of their parole to get a job we um and we we put all these barriers in their way from them being able to reconnect to society and, and to become a, a you know, a contributing member to society. We and uh and it's sick. It's like a it's like a fucking game. And it's like, here, these are the things we want you to do, but we're gonna place all of these things in your fucking way. So it's nearly impossible for you to do it. And then that way we can come back and arrest you here in a few, year, you know, a few months or a few years maybe and uh, put you back in prison and start the cycle all over again. Another alarming statistic is people of color make up 37% of the country's population. 37% is it. Yet make up 70% of the prison population. So 37% of the country makes up 70% of the prison population. Black men are six times more likely to be incarcerated than white men. I'm pretty sure that black people aren't six times more likely to commit a crime, but they are six times more likely to be incarcerated for crimes or be accused and convicted of crimes that maybe they didn't commit. That is another major problem that we have. We have the Innocence Project. You know what the Innocence Project is? Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pretend like you don't, although most of you probably have heard of it. Okay, the Innocence Project is um, basically what it says. It's, um, they go through old, old cases, you know, like cases that were um, decided on things that have now become ruled as junk science, like bite mark evidence. It's not really a thing. Everybody bruises differently. It's impossible to tell. See small ridges of teeth on a bite mark on skin. It's just not possible. It's um, it's junk science. It's been it's been widely contested and almost never used anymore. Um, or witness, eyewitness testimony that it that changed the one of the most uh one of, one of the least reliable pieces of evidence is eyewitness testimony. And um, that is statistically accurate. That is historically accurate. Eyewitness testimony, even people that are 100% sure get it wrong half the time. And people that are a little bit unsure get it right about 30% of the time. But yet we're putting people in prison and on death row because of this testimony. Okay. So the Innocent Project, what they do is they go and they find the cases that were decided on shit like this. And then, um, then if there is, some um, you know, because they didn't start widely using DNA until um, the mid-90s. So all these cases that predate that, they, they, they still have the evidence in bags, but they never extracted DNA from it. So what these people do is they go back, they extract DNA from rape kits and stuff like that, and they test the DNA of the, per- of the person that's in prison for this crime and if it doesn't match obviously he's not the guy and he, and they and they've freed thousands thousands of people that have been in prison for years decades for crimes they didn't commit and it's it's crazy that there's so many like i didn't have i mean i i've never had a hundred percent faith in our justice system but i had a hell of a lot more faith in it before I found out about this Innocence Project. And now it's like, ah, there are so many, like thousands, thousands. It's not just a few, a handful, it's thousands. And they only get to 1% of the cases that, that are possibly innocent people. They're 100% self-funded, the government won't fund them. So it's hard for them to have a staff that's big enough and to be capable to, you know, go through all these cases when they really need more people. They need more money. These are lawyers that work around the clock and are very knowledgeable, went to school, have big student loans to pay off. They need some money. And, and they're not going to stay with the Innocence Project and work, per you know, pro bono when they've got mouths to feed. So we need, we need some funding for this. And I think the government should give some funding for this. We have, we could cut a trillion dollars from our military budget and still outspend every other country on our our military. We have 11 aircraft carriers that cost like $70 billion a year to run. We have 11 of them or 13. 11 or 13. But the whole rest of the world combined only has 9. I think we have 11. Just us. That's insane. At $70 billion dollars a piece, to run each year, every year. That's almost a trillion dollars just to run aircraft carriers around the fucking world. That's fucking ridiculous. Turn one of them into a Navy museum and take that $70 and give it to the Innocence Project. Throw the American people a bone every now and then. Okay. So... So we have a lot of people serving life sentences a lot of people on death row that are innocent innocent people and um there's not a real urgency to to combat this and i've come up with it's pretty controversial and i've kind of gotten mixed reviews on this but i think it would definitely be effective Here's what I'm off, here's what I'm off, what I think we should do. There needs to be consequences for the police and the prosecuting attorney for trying the wrong person. You know, cause they have nothing to lose. They're like, oh hell, we don't know if this is our guy, but we'll, we'll go ahead and try it, put him on trial. What people don't realize is that when you were on trial, especially for a major crime, you fucking are in jail when you're not in that courtroom. You're not living your normal life. The whole innocent until proven guilty isn't a real thing. So, so you're basically taking this person's life on a whim a lot of times and, uh, and, and, and gambling with it. You know what? We'll fucking try it. You know? we'll, who cares if this person's life is completely destroyed because of it? And, and they do this a lot. And there needs to be consequences for that. If there was a consequence for trying the wrong person, a person that they find to be completely innocent and and they've ruined their life by putting them through a trial and, and tarnished their name by putting them through a trial when they really did nothing wrong, there should be consequences for that. And if there were, there'd be a hell of a lot less innocent people in jail and in prison because... They would make damn sure that they had their guy before they ever took it to trial and thought for a second that they could be punished for fucking trying the wrong person. That is how you fix that. Because right now, what they do is they, they railroad people into taking plea deals so they don't ever have to go to trial. And I think that's, that's absurd. That is absurd. Because what they do is they, you know, everybody's seen it in the newspaper. Everybody's seen this that, uh, you know, well, so-and-so was arrested, Mr. Jones was arrested for, uh, you know, possession with intent to deliver of cocaine and heroin. And uh, if convicted, he faces up to 136 years in prison. And then, like, three years later, you see that same guy at the gas station, and you're like, what the hell? I thought he was going to be in jail for 136 years. Well, that's what they do. That they um, They give you all these charges and, like, and they and they post the max, and they say, if you take this to trial, we're going to stick you with the max. We're going to stick you with 136 years. Or you can plead guilty to this, and we'll give you 10 years with the possibility of parole. And we, and we save money on a trial. But if you didn't do this, if you didn't do this crime... But you're looking at 136 years over here. Well, you're not going to roll the dice on that if you can take this 10-year sentence and maybe get out in a year and a half because you know you can't afford a good lawyer. You know you're going to be stuck with a public defender that's got 300 other cases he's focusing on. You know you're going to have to spend the entire trial in jail because you're not going to be able to afford bail that they're going to set at an unreasonable astronomic number. So so, the, uh, so they, they railroad innocent people into false confessions. Um, that's another thing. Their interrogation techniques have got to go. You know how many people have confessed to murders that they didn't commit because they thought that they would be able to finally go home if they just agreed with the cops? Oh, way more than there should be. These are all reasons why there are so many people incarcerated in this country. And you know, um, another thing, you know, you know, they talk about the double jeopardy law, but the double jeopardy law only, only uh, really is for, one per- you know, is for a person. But so what they have is if you get found not guilty of this crime, they can't retry you for it. But what they, what they do have, and they've got thousands of these too, I looked up, and I don't know, I don't have the exact number, but it's a big number of two different people convicted for the same crime. They weren't accomplices, but they have two different people in prison for for one crime that only one person did, but they have two people in jail, two, sometimes three people in prison. Now, why wouldn't the double jeopardy law apply to that too? If person A did it, person B couldn't have. If you already know that only one person committed the crime and and you know person A did it, person B and person C did not do it, they shouldn't be in jail anymore. I mean, these are, these are things that I think, when explained, uh, everybody, I think, would agree with this. I mean, I would at least hope they would. Um, okay. Oh, another thing. These, um, these mandatory minimum sentences. The reason uh, people are in prison for life, a lot of life sentences are for nonviolent crimes, believe it or not. And California's got, because they had that three-strike law that everybody is so familiar with, three strikes, um, three felonies for a similar crime, and um, you get a life sentence. There, there are 3,000 people, over 3,000 people, actually, over 3,000 people in, in prison serving life sentences in California that have never committed a violent crime. And over 2,000 of them? Their crime is no longer a crime, yet they're in prison for the rest of their life. Life sentence for possession of marijuana three times. Now you can go buy a joint at the store. (laughs) I don't, it's not funny, but the fact that these supposedly intelligent people that are running this goddamn country can't look at that and see how fucked up that is. They, how How is that possible? How can some non-educated person in the Midwest see that, but these people driving around in Maseratis wearing freaking Armani suits that have Ivy League educations, they can't see that, but I can? It's because they don't want to see it it is the only reason they know it's there they know it's there they just don't want to address it because it'll be too hard or it'll or it'll uh, expose the system for what it is and they don't want they want people to believe in the system and and i'm going to make it my life's work to get people to not believe in this system i'm all for creating a system that's fair that we and and then fully believing in it, but until it's fair, racially, economically, then I'm not believing in it because it's bullshit. You know, uh, people that make two hundred fifty thousand dollars or more, when they're on trial, the conviction rate is about twenty percent. Twenty percent. Eighty percent of them walk. If you make $40,000 or less, the conviction rate is 80%. On the same crimes, on the exact same crimes. So, and the, and, and this is because of a lot of things. Um, the first and foremost, because the people that make that kind of money generally can afford a good lawyer and a good lawyer can expose bad police tactics and that's how they a majority of them get off is because of an illegal search or some sort of technicality that the cops broke a civil liberty because they always do, like I mentioned earlier, and um, that gets that gets um, that gives a smart lawyer a loophole to jump through, and they almost always do, and because they, they always catch it, and you know then they get their client off because once once you've uh, proven that the search was illegal, anything past that is uh, fruit from the poisonous tree; it is, it's thrown out; it's not admissible. So if you don't have the evidence, a lot of times the judge throws the case out before it ever even goes to trial. Now, what happens with the people that make $40,000 or less is they get a court-appointed lawyer, and then they, they, um, they get all of these other you know, additional charges tacked on, and they get these big, gigantic number of years dangled in front of their head, and then they take a plea deal, and that's a conviction. They go serve their sentence, albeit smaller. It's still a sentence. It's still time in jail for a lot of times, something that they maybe didn't do. And even if they did do it, it's still not fair that the poor go to prison and the rich go home. That's another thing. Bail. The rich people don't, spe- don't spend their trial time in jail. They spend it at home. Poor people, they like to avoid the trial because they, they know they're going to be in jail the whole time. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, um, and, and that's another, that's another thing that causes the mass incarceration. It's, it is, it is out of control. We're the most incarcerated uh, country by far in, in the world. And it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the plea deals and the prosecutors, Dangling those mass amounts of years. and, um, And then, you know, and then what they're doing is they're taking these, you know, these otherwise peaceful people that maybe have a drug problem or an addiction. And I get it, it's illegal. Okay. But they're not hurting anybody, they're hurting themselves and they need help. They don't need to be, you know, isolated from society, they need to be reconnected with society. They need the barriers to be removed. They're already weak. Let's stop making it so damn hard for them to get back to where we want them to be or where we say we we want them to be. We want them to be contributing members of society. So stop putting the barriers in between them and society. Stop isolating them. Stop giving them criminal records and get them the help they need then you don't have so many people in prison. The violent crime people, you know what, the murderers, the rapists, the child molesters, yes, they belong in prison. But a guy that gets caught with a dime bag in his pocket three different times does not deserve a life sentence. I'm sorry. That, <laughs> that is not okay. And... um I don't know, I just hate I just I just hate the way it is. And and I think and I think we could make fundamental change if we if we do what I said, you know, we'd completely reform the police as we talked about earlier, and then we make there be consequences for wrongly prosecuting people that are innocent. Let's let's stop giving a free pass to these people that are ruining other people's lives. Because when they do that, they're ruining that person's life. They're dragging their name through the mud. They're freaking putting them in prison or in jail for their entire trial. They're giving them a horrible attorney. And then eventually, a lot of times, they're getting them to plead guilty to something that they didn't even do. Just to avoid having to go to prison for 130 years. Which is impossible. So... There needs to be consequences for that. And um, then maybe they'll think twice about, you know, doing railroading innocent people just to get a conviction. And, um, and I, think, I think they, they could do. They, that, that would not be that hard to uh, institute. Like, that, that could be something we could do tomorrow. Like, that's one piece of legislation that could fix that. The police reform is going to take some time, and I understand that, but we got to start it now. And we've got to get this legislation passed through to start holding district attorneys and, and, you know, and assistant district attorneys and prosecuting attorneys and all of them accountable for going after and trying to prosecute somebody on, on no evidence or on circumstantial evidence. They need to be damn sure before they ruin this person's life and put them through a trial that they've got the right guy. The trial should just be a formality, but it's not. They use it as a as a game, as a casino game, like roll a dice. Well, let's see if we get a conviction out of this one. Ninety nine times or eighty times out of a hundred, they do. If you're poor, if you're rich, it never sees trial. <laughs> Only twenty percent of the time. But whatever, that's still too much. If they're not if they're not guilty, so that's really. All that i have for today a few things to think about and maybe um you know i know i'm not going to be able to personally change this but um if we could if we could create this uh you know belief system then that these things need to be done maybe if enough of us could get you know get on board with this with this way of thinking maybe the right person will hear it and just maybe something will get done. I don't, I'm not even saying that it has to be my solutions. But something needs to at least be attempted to be done about this. Because it is not okay. And I'm tired of it. And I, and you should be too. And I hope that, you know, because I'm passionate about this thing. And I, and I am opinionated. And I hope I have not offended any of you. And if I have, I'm truly sorry. I truly mean that. But please be open minded to what I'm saying and um and at least think about it and those of you that agree with me, you know show it, show it to somebody else, let somebody else hear it too let's uh let's let's start building up our numbers let's get let's get the awareness out there let's get let's get this done. I've had a lot of fun talking to you guys, I'm really really happy that you're listening. And until next time, goodbye.